Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So hello there guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you guys are well and what a bombshell that we got from Andretti and General Motors via Cadillac literally hours after Mohammed Ben Salim, the FIA president, announced that they were going to be looking via the FIA into prospective new entries into the Formula One grid. Andretti, with the support of General Motors and Cadillac have announced that they will be officially applying to be a team on the F1 grid. And for a lot of you that would have followed the Andretti story would know that it was always a team that were looking to try and perhaps buy into an existing team. There were rumours about them buying into Sauber, which obviously fell through at the last minute. And of course, there was always noises from Mario Andretti leading it to try and bring a team in. But I can honestly say for the first time, it really does seem that the one ingredient that they were missing at Andretti, which was a manufacturer, a big one at that backing them, they seem to have finally found that missing piece. Will it be enough for them to be on the F1 grid? We'll have to wait and see. Will there be other teams and outfits looking to try and get on the F1 grid? We'll have to wait and see as well. But unraveling all of that and talking about the potential process that these new prospective teams will have to go through is my guest for this episode. Joining me today, we have F1 journalist and correspondent for Planet F1, Sam Cooper. Sam, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah, all good, all good with me. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to, exciting time in F1, really, the new season creeping up as, as it is. Yeah, so it's a good time to speak about it. Yeah, it really, really is. And, you know, during the winter break, a lot of us fans would obviously be a little bit starved of motorsport content. Other there are other series that can keep us entertained. We had the World Cup, of course, which kept some of us entertained before Christmas. But for a long time, it can feel quite uh, lonesome and a bit tiresome that we're sort of waiting for ages for our favourite F1 cars to do their rounds again. But we've been so 
how can I put it, so exposed to so many exciting news stories in 2023. For us fans, it's amazing to talk about and, you know, do podcasts like this and have discussions. It really whets the appetite. But for journalists like yourself, it's probably a bit of a nightmare because this is the kind of period where I'd imagine you'd want a bit of a reprieve or a bit of a break. Um, yeah, I think luckily we get we sort of get that in December where there's just a real dearth of news and everyone's on holiday, which is fair enough. And I think by this time we're sort of waiting for that for it to kick into gear again. It's been, especially in the last few weeks, these all these car launches and, and especially now the Andretti news as well. It's been January 2023 for mental so far, and it's only like it's getting more more like that as the team starts to reveal their car next 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 month. So yeah, it's it's, it's a good time for us now. It's nice it's nice to get busy again. It's nice to have a bit of a break after the season. But yeah, good to get going again. Yeah, very much so. And of course, hopefully soon we will get going again. Obviously, a month's time from now, we will start seeing some of the new F1 cars for 2023 unveiling their new designs for next season. So plenty to look forward to there. But before we get started, Sam, on this show, when we have new guests on, we like to introduce them to our followers with a bit of an icebreaker question. So I want to throw that at you and see what you come back with. If I was to give you any F1 car, from history and you you're an absolute expert at driving this you don't have to worry about learning you are the sir lewis hamilton the ayrton center the michael schumacher or max verstappen if you like in the modern day at driving this car what car are we driving and where are you going to drive it and you have any circuit in the world doesn't have to be an f1 circuit either it could be your local car park or your car track if you wanted to where are we driving that car um, I'm gonna. I suspect a lot of your guests will go for the performance side of this, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a bit cheeky and go for the aesthetic side of this. And I think one of my favorite mo- uh, moments in F1 history came in the last few years, and that that um the golf livery that McLaren ran at Monaco is just. I think that's my favorite ever livery, and just seeing it in Monaco. So I think, granted, the Monaco is probably not the easiest route for me to go down, especially in this period when I've a bit of a newbie F1. I probably end up in the wall a few times, but yeah, just that. Just to see that livery go back down, because I think the golf sponsorship, if I believe correctly, is, is stopped with McLaren now. So I think we've seen those two years were the last time we're going to see those liveries. So yeah, if I get to drive the that McLaren livery down the streets of Monaco, I think I think I'd be happy with that. Yeah, for sure. I like that answer, and I like what you're going with there. The aesthetics is obviously very very important, and you know we've often seen quite a lot of F1 cars that are very good ones often look terrible. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because they're fast. But something like that, I like that. I wouldn't mind seeing that livery on the McLaren in a night race venue, somewhere like Singapore, mm. where it really mm. could shine there. I feel like Monaco's great because it's Monaco, but I feel like that night race element really helps that aesthetic pop a little bit more. Yeah, 100% agree. The the colours of every car, you, it seems like they've had a fresh coat of paint every time they're on a night race, just because the lights and like, especially McLaren, usually during the season, that papaya, like that's, that's one of the best looking cars any time of the year so yeah to get that golf livery down singapore wherever you mentioned yeah that, that'd definitely be one for the spectators as well yeah absolutely agree um guys just a quick call for those of you listening to the show if you enjoy what we do you can support us on youtube by subscribing to the channel and liking the video we are chasing close to a thousand subscribers we hope to achieve that milestone this year but we know with your support we can definitely do that and if you follow us on your favorite podcasting platform you know what to do there give us a five star review if you think that we are worthy of one doesn't matter which platform that you choose just let us know that you've done that and we will reward you with a shout out on the next episode now sam Got to get down to business on this one. Mm-hmm. Start off with the FIA and Mohammed Ben Salayim, the FIA, uh, well, head of the FIA. And he put out a tweet a few days ago saying that he had asked his FIA team to look at launching an expression of interest process for prospective new teams for the F1 World Championship. And this was 
the first step of a long and complicated process to potentially having a new team on the F1 grid since we got Haas in 2016. Now, this expression of interest from Mohammed Ben Salayam is not the official expression of interest. We still need the FIA to put out an official call for teams to apply for uh, becoming a team on the F1 grid. I suppose my first question is, how is that going to look exactly, this application, and what kind of time frame are we working with? Um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting time for that, because I think the last few years we've had a lot of interest from other teams wanting to join, especially for Andretti, which we'll talk about later, but there's been no real obvious process. There's not a clear, this is what you must do, this is the things you have to tick boxes for. So I think the fact the FIA is trying to get some structure to it, I think will make it a lot easier going forward, because you can sort of rack up teams is um bid compared to the, compared to each other but before we got in the fi stuff there's also the massive point that formula one's weird that it's sort of you have to appease two bodies so even if you had 100 support of the fia that doesn't guarantee you a spot on the grid because also you have the commercial arm which is f1 itself who you also have to um make sure they're happy with your bid so and they're they're even more vague about what exactly they will accept because I think more than the FIA, the F1 are sort of dictated by the teams because they're all members of the F1. So they have a, a vote and like they get to say what happens. So I think what if you have the FIA, you know, in essence, the FIA is the easier part to do it. So once you've done that, then you've got to tackle the F1 itself. But going back to the FIA, I think um, I was lucky enough to speak to Benjamin Durand, who's the co-founder of Panafera. And he was sort of, he's had a bit, he's been working with the FIA since they, they started the team in 2019. He sort of gave me an understanding of what he thinks this expression of interest is going to be so he said to me that hopefully by the end of the month i'll have it in concrete like this is what you must do but he believes it centers around three three main things so the first one is do you have the financial backing can you prove that not only can you pay to get on the grid but also you have because they don't want to get a load of teams that are there for a year or even less than less than a year the money runs out so i think that's an important part is to make sure that you're financially stable you're going to be in the sport for a long time the second part was to make sure you had the technical and the knowledge behind it to make sure your team knows what it's doing, essentially, because it's one say to, one thing to say you want to be on the F1 grid. It's another thing entirely to have the knowledge to make a team, to make the car, to make, make it, even like pack out your garage. So, yeah, that was another part. And then the third part, I think it's probably the, the hardest to prove, really, is um what value can you bring to the sport? I think if we look at the Andretti bid, that's sort of been their main sticking point. And I think Turtle Wolf and Mercedes has been the, the lead voice in this. He's saying, yes, it'd be good to get the Andretti name in, but what value do they bring? Because if you if you think for the F1 teams currently, there's 10 of them. So they split the profit or the pie 10 ways. So if you add another one and that other team doesn't bring its own wave of audience, like your profit's going to go down. So why why would you want another team on? So I think that third point to make sure that you can add some value. So even though you're taking away some profits, you're actually bringing in more fans to the sport and more interest. And I think speaking from from Andretti's side of the point, I think that's their big selling point now with the GM bid is that they, they're basically coming in. I know that Haas are an American team, but I think Andretti really wants to be the American team. So they're going to have the American base and like crucially their whole car is going to be made in that. I think I was, I was part of the press call when he, he announced their bid with um, General Motors and they confirmed that they're going to have the factory mainly in America, in Indianapolis, but also there's going to be a satellite base in the UK. And that's obviously just a logistical thing because that's so much easier. A lot of European races and sort of you're halfway between Asia and you're halfway between America. But I think that's the big thing now is proving that, okay, we're going to bring in this American audience, which I think is very enticing for the F1 bosses because as we've seen since Liberty Media took over in 2017, there's, there's been this massive drive 
um, to focus on America. And it's something I've written about quite a lot, really. Like, they've really gone out the way to make sure F1 is big and American, try and match the NFL, the NBA and stuff like that. And I think having an American team, especially with an American driver, if they can get Colson Hurt, I know he's been linked a lot. If they can get him, I think that's their selling point. So, yeah, going back to the FIA thing, it's, it's basically those three. So are you financially stable? Do you have the knowledge to be able to compete in F1? And what do you bring to the sport, really? So, yeah, it's good that they've got this this format sort of finalized i think it's going to take a while before i mean it might not be something that ever comes public it might be saved for just teams who want to enter but it'd be good i think by the end of the month we should know and i'm speaking to benjamin he thinks the process between applying so if you apply over the first day it's open he predicted they wouldn't know till about may so it's obviously going to be a long time with the fia working out the like checking behind your bid making sure the finances make sense make sure you know what you're doing i'm sure it's not going to be like you submit the application and the five minutes later it's approved. I think there's going to be a long wait even after you submit it. So I think for any team wanting to get in the grid, I think you're looking at maybe expressing the interest, say if you express the interest 22 or three, I think 2025 is probably the most, most realistic time to get in the grid. And that would, that'd be a push. I think if any team submitted now, I, I wouldn't be surprised them to wait after the 26 season at least. Well, it would make more sense, in my opinion, mm. to wait till 2026. I mean, we had Haas was a great example because this was back at a time when a similar process was put out. But the, you know, the expectation or the ambition of the FIA was to find one team. It wasn't to open it to as many potential suitors as possible. I mean, this has hallmarks of what we saw in 2010, where we had, well, originally it was four new teams coming on the grid. One of them fell through. We ended up with the three that we had. And it feels a lot more like that. And 2026 seems a more realistic date because we've had the new engine regulations that have been approved. And obviously teams are going to be working towards that. And, you know, there are going to be some aero regs that are going to be changed for that period as well. So, you know, even though Huss, as I mentioned already, they joined, originally they were meant to join in 2015. It was going to be 2016. It seemed a bit strange to join then rather than just wait another year and join in 2017 when we had new aero regs. But Huss were a very unique situation. Originally, they were going to be just a Ferrari customer team. And obviously, they had to be very clever in how they went about that and obviously not breaking any regulations. Whereas these new teams coming in, obviously not going to be doing it. I don't think they can technically do that now. I think they can't really maximise the listed parts that they can get and just build a car around that as Gunther Steiner very cleverly managed with Haas and orchestrated there. So it will be quite interesting. One thing I did want to ask about as well, which I'm glad you brought up um, whilst we're going through this process and the stuff that's involved, the one thing that is specifically highlighted as part of the assessment will be the value that teams any new teams would bring to f1 you mentioned Toto wolf being the person that often gets asked this the most i think from a business perspective he probably understands this better than anybody else coming in at mercedes and that's the one i think that's going to be very very hard to prove at least on a tangible level where we've got this anti-dilution payment of 200 million dollars being circulated because i think the one thing that f1 has often had on its um to justify its stance of not wanting new teams in is what will this team offer to f1 no more dilution no more franchising we want serious competitive entries that are not just going to come into f1 give a short-term boom and then they fall away a few years later how hard do you think that's going to be for certain teams like pantera perhaps more than andretti for example to prove that there is a tangible value that they will bring to f1 long term that would allow them to be on the grid Oh, it's incredibly hard. There's no doubt about it. Like, I think, and compared to the other two points, it's not something, it's not black and white. I think 
obviously finances are quite easy to prove. A, either you have the money, you don't have the money. And you can you can say the same with the knowledge and the, the technical people behind your team. But to prove that you have an audience is, is a very hard thing to do, especially for your new team. It's not like you can say, oh, we have this many fans. Because obviously they don't have these fans yet. And they're sort of, you're sort of selling the dream that you're going to be, if we take Pantera, they're, they're going to be the Asian team is what they're, they're selling their bid as. So they're, I think the way they'd like to impress f1 is to say that we can get this whole new market involved and like you said it's just very difficult to prove that i mean they they will come in i think down the road eventually they'll decide where their base is so they can say okay we're going to be based in this country so we'll have the support of that country but i'd be interested to know exactly like what what are you selling to them what are you saying that your bid is going to evolve well, how are you as a team going to make make fans attracted to the sport when it's not already done because it's it's a very easy thing to say that we're going to be Asia's team, but they might have not, they may have no interest in that. And, and also this is sort of acting as if F1 isn't already popular in Asia. And obviously we've seen that it is. I mean, I can't remember how racist off of my head there are, but at least there's, there's a considerable amount in the continent already. So these Asian fans will already, already have their teams they like, and it's going to be very hard for a new team to sort of drive fans away. Like, I mean, if, if you just take it out of just out of complete context, but if you think, Okay, there's this new team coming, but I've been a supporter of Mercedes for the last eight years, and they've won titles. Like, why would you switch? I mean, it, it's sort of going to take a lot of them to persuade people to come over. I know there's that home pride thing, but if you're just representing Asia as a whole, it's going to be quite hard, really. If say, if I don't know, say if they're based in South Korea and there's a Japanese and there's a Japanese fan, I mean, why is he going to be feel that need to support that team? So it's going to be incredibly difficult like i said i mean that is the one that is going to take the most thorough research into okay this is their business model this is this does make sense like the numbers so whatever numbers you can get i mean it might be a lot of projected numbers i'd imagine but if they make some kind of sense then maybe yeah you can see that box but i think the faa are going to have to be very careful when it comes to making sure that these offers are legit really and they're not just selling them a, a pipe dream really Exactly. And, you know, I, I was looking back on previous processes that I've gone through, as I said, back in 2010 and 2013. From what I understood back then, it was it originally started out as something like a nominal fee that was about a few thousand dollars. I think it was something like that. I think five thousand dollars in 2013, which, you know, for a lot of these F1 entries is going to be pocket change. Not even that. It's not even something that they probably look at too seriously. But they probably would from an accounting perspective to a degree. But it's not something they're going to worry about. The next phase of the application, when the FIA put their official point of call, I suppose, would be to weed out those teams that aren't really serious about this. And that included a much larger fee, I think six-figure sum, around $130,000, I think was quoted back in 2013. So that's going to weed out the unserious entries because you don't just throw that much money, even if you have a billion dollars at your disposal if you're a new f1 team coming in you don't throw that kind of money away you just say oh well we're not serious about this we've got nothing we just got money and that's it and that's when you start looking at the due diligence process that the fi will go in with the application i think these are the sorts of things that we're going to see when they put in their official application criteria i hope they make it public i imagine they probably will to a degree on their uh, website just to give us fans and journalists obviously an opportunity to see what goes in but we're talking about things like when they're going to possibly enter we've already mentioned already on this uh, episode that it's more likely it's going to be 2026 rather than 2024 for example as andretti originally 
confirmed that they may look into, but it's more likely going to be the latter. Uh, teams have to supply stuff like a cover letter, company holding information, CV of directors and officers of that company, shareholder info, all that stuff. But then we get to the nitty gritty of the more important stuff, the meat of the application, the racing pedigree, the background of the technical and racing experience, facilities and resources. In your mind, Sam, that latter part, how much, how more, is that the more important side of things for the FIA or is this purely a financial thing where they want a team to be competitive, but financially they have to be secure enough that they can raise the funding long term and not, as we've already mentioned, dilute the revenue streams of the existing teams on the grid? Um, I think it's, they probably take it in equal measure, to be honest. I think for the FIA, it's probably the finances that are more interesting, but they know that the fans much more care about the racing pedigree. And I think that's sort of what makes Andretti's bid stand out compared to the other, other names we've heard mentioned is that they've got a, t- a racing history in other series and especially with GM now on board as well. Like they've got a racing pedigree. I think it's pretty clear from their, from the way they've been talking, they're not planning on just being an only round. Like they they want to get on the grid to compete for points. I, they haven't set a target. Obviously that'd be mad to do that, but I don't think they want to come in and just be on the grid. I think they do want to add something to it and maybe add another challenger and, I think maybe that's why some of the teams, especially with this GM announcement, some of the teams currently were sort of kicking their heels a bit because they know, okay, we're not going to be in a freeway type, freeway fight for the title. It's going to be another team in there. It makes their job harder. But yeah, for the FIA, I think, I think they have to take the financial bit seriously, obviously, because they don't want a team to come in. I mean, we saw rich energy, like what, what can happen to a team if, if the money's not there? So yeah, I think on that perspective, but I think they're also very aware of like keeping fans on side really. I think, the FAA has had a bit, bit of a big year on like making fans on their side. So they probably don't want to do anything more that will annoy them. So I think there's getting there's getting an increased confusion, especially from a lot of American fans, of why Andretti's bid has sort of been stumbled, stumbling this way. I think a lot of people would, would have wanted to see them in the 2024 career because it's something exciting and new, and especially at a time when we're getting free races per season in the country. But I think, yeah, the FIA will keep a... Keep, keep a close eye on the a team's racing pedigree and how likely they think a team's going to be in competing because they don't want to add another team to the grid. And then it'd be the worst thing imaginable if they add another team in the grid and then the five seconds behind everyone else. Like that's just, that's no good for the sport. That's no good for the company. And that's no good for the overall competition, really. I think we've already seen a massive gap between the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom. And we don't want that to get any bigger, really, because it sort of becomes a bit of a fast, really. So yeah, I think those two points are are probably the ones they're going to focus on most yeah has that really been the key instigator or the for this change in stance in the FIA because before the FIA and the F1 teams and FOM as a whole those three entities that make up F1 have been aligned in the fact that they weren't really interested in entertaining the idea of new teams despite the fact that we had Pantera before the pandemic and Andretti since banging on the door trying to find a way into the sport and the only avenue in always seemed to be by an existing team which they very almost did and now that stance seems to have softened, there seems to be a change now where they want to bring in new teams. Do you feel that this has come from the fans getting involved a lot and they're speaking up and, and the FIA just can't ignore that anymore? Or do you think that they feel there's a real opportunity in the market to make F1 even more financially stable, more financially uh, beneficial than it was before following the pandemic where we've seen this immediate boom and now they want to try and expand that further? Yeah, I don't think you can discount the change in leadership in the FIA. I think obviously everyone's going to have their own, own opinions. And it's it's something that has really taken hold the past years. The sort of, like you said, the FIA is softening of their stance, really. They're sort of making teams 
wants to be involved. I wouldn't be surprised if that comes directly from the president. Like he's probably got his ideas. He wants to expand the sport as much as possible. And so he's he's very open to the idea of new teams joining. And like you said, like they've probably looked at their numbers the past few years and they're just going up and up and up. And they're it makes sense from a business point of view to think how can we do this? How can we make this even better? Like I think we've seen that in the way the the number of races have been crammed in. Obviously we're gonna have well in theory we're gonna have 24 races this year and that's that's a lot of races. That's that's without putting it too delicately that's to get more money in like if if they've got this massively profitable thing they're going to put that around the, the world as much as they can so i think that's the same with teams really if they have a team they believe will not only add to the racing pedigree but also bring in more profit then yeah for sure that's some of the fia at least have shown that they they are interested and i think when we're speaking about new teams it is very important to differentiate between the fia and the f1 itself like um, just to explain a little bit, like the FAA is obviously the governing body. They do all the rules and they do all the official things like that. While the F1, they're like the sort of the commercial arm of this whole sport. And um, I think we've seen a massively different change, like massively difference in their the way they react to new bits. The FIA have been seemingly very open. I think they. it sounds like the FIA have had a lot of, a lot of talk with Andretti as well as um, Pantera about, and there's been a bit of a positive reception. Because I think... I think that's key. Like, I think if Andretti approached the FIA and straight off the bat, it was no, not coming in. Like, Michael Andretti seems a very stubborn man and a very determined man, but I think even he might be like, well, we're, we're not getting anywhere here. Let's stop. I think the fact the FIA have sort of been, a, been like, okay, but you need to do this. I think that's given them an idea. But if we look at the F1's response, I mean, I, I would love to see the minutes between the Andretti GM announcement and the F1 statement that followed shortly after. It was pretty much within the hour saying that, just reminding everyone that the FIA might be on side, but we're not on side yet. So like they're going to put their foot down for sure. And like, as I mentioned earlier, like the F1 is so much more, the F1 side of the operation is so much more controlled by the teams and that's going to be the harder audience to, to convince really. So yeah, I think, yeah, we have seen a softening of the stance in F1. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was due to the change of leadership, but currently the F1, I've said, we have seen this softening for the FIA, but currently F1, are very much where they've always been that they're not interested really and i think this is an important point because as you've rightly pointed out after the pandemic a lot of the finances were in disarray we had williams Haas looking like they might be on the brink of going out of the sport because they just couldn't afford to keep going and collectively over the last few years all of those teams and fom you know by extension involved with f1 have done a lot of great work to make f1 very much the financial powerhouse that it is today to the point where it's very attractive for new prospective teams to want to come into the sport now. And a lot of those teams, Total Wolf, Gunferstein have mentioned that, well, you know, we were in disarray before. Where were you then? You didn't want to come in now. You only want to come in because it's financially suitable for you. But it's not necessarily financially suitable for us if you're not going to add any value. If anything, it's going to make it worse for us. So I'm not surprised by the stance in the contrasting stance between the FIA and FOM and F1 teams as a whole. It feels to me in a way that this is a bit of a political gamble, if you like, by Mohammed Ben Salim. Of course, you know, he wants to bring new fresh ideas. He has tried to in certain regards already, but he wants to expand on that from a business perspective. This is one of those I think a lot of people may not appreciate as much, but this kind of illustrates the divide between those three entities. Because obviously what makes up F1 of those three entities, the FIA, FOM, F1. The FIA owns the championship. They lease out the commercial rights to FOM and F the F1 teams as a whole. And for me, it, it does feel that Mohammed bin Salim may be gambling on this working. And if it does, may solidify his political tenure at that position for, 
you know, the next round of elections when they come round again. Is this something that could make or break his presidency with the FIA if it doesn't go well? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, this is very much his, his golden goose, put it that way. Like, if his, he's he's essentially putting his name to it, saying that this is my idea. And like you said, if it comes off, it looks great for him. And if these teams arrive in the sport and they bring a load more money and they, they're genuine competitors in the sport, then it looks great. Like, the fans will be happy. I think there's there's long been a desire to see... I've often seen 12 teams banded about as sort of the fans' choice of the number of teams they'd like to see. So if he can pull that off, it's great. But like, I think it's good how you mentioned it. It's, it's a political political tug of war, really. I think there's there's always been this weird relationship between F1 and, F, and the FIA and like sort of who's really got the power kind of thing. But I mean, I can see it from both sides. I think the way I've been talking about Total Wolf, it sort of seems like he's the bad guy. But if you, if you step into issues, it totally makes sense to have strong reservations about anyone joining really because like you said they all live through this pandemic they were going to multiple races multiple tracks twice in a week just to get a, some kind of season going and like i said they they all suffered through that massive costs of um just surviving really i know that mercedes probably aren't that badly hit compared to the other teams on the track but still it would have it would have taken the sizable chunk out of their budget so like you said there will probably be that stubbornness saying that yeah we survived through these times and you were there collecting your paycheck and you weren't having to put out you won't have to pay wages to these team to the, all the team members you won't have them to trap put cost cost of freights and stuff like that so yeah 100 i can understand from their point and like it makes sense really if you've got this profit and it's working well for you and like this expansion is is going well for you like why why then would you want to share that with anyone else so yeah i think i I don't think in a way there's any bad guy in, in this situation. I think it's it's obvious why teams want to join because as we've seen from the past few years, there's been a massive expansion in F1's popularity. It's becoming not just such a niche sport, especially in countries where traditionally it hasn't done that well. I think more and more countries are taking note. So it makes sense that new teams, and we've also seen, we haven't really mentioned them, but we've seen that of Audi and Porsche. Like they wouldn't be trying to get into the sport if they didn't think it was financially viable for them. And if they didn't think it massively boost their reputation really i think f1's sort of becoming a a sport where you have to be to be seen really i mean mercedes probably they've seen their car revenues fly up in the last years and i think it's been a good example of how a, how a company can sort of rewrite their image really i think mercedes sort of become much more fashionable and cool and, and trendy since they've been in f1 and i think other teams are trying to get in on that but at the same time i think F1 teams have every right to be annoyed and say that we've worked really hard for this. Like we're the ones that made this enjoyable. We're the ones that went through a whole pandemic. When and to be, to be fair, F1 is probably the worst sport for the pandemic because you were traveling. It's not all in one country. You were traveling around the world where everyone's got different rules. I mean, we've seen that going to 2023. The Chinese Grand Prix has been in theory cancelled. There's more rumors it's going to come back, but they're still they're still battling the effects of COVID. It's by no means over. So yeah. I have I have sympathy for everyone on the grid because really, I think they all they've all everyone's got their own motivations and it's just trying to find that happy compromise where everyone's partially happy. I don't think you ever get a situation where everyone's hundred percent happy. But like you said, if if the FIA can pull it off, then that does look very good for the president and the new teams coming in. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think what's important to remember as well, and, and we've often talked about the anti-dilution fund, this $200 million buy-in that any new team that is expected to come onto the grid will have to pay to appease the existing teams for the loss in revenue, or at least their share of the revenue, as you have an 11th mouth for that very large pie that the other 10 are currently enjoying. Um, it, it feels to, that whilst that may be a deterrent for any unserious entries to want to come in, even that on its own, whether or not, that, I mean, that can be waived, of course. We shouldn't forget that if the F1 teams feel that a new team coming in, like it, it makes more sense to have them in and, and not worry about the buy-in. But it's a one-off payment. It's very much in the short term. And it was put in place to sort of help the teams if a new team comes in and it's not able to deliver what they promised. At least that short-term impact will be covered uh, for the lease. But how... How much of that do you feel will be a deterrent for any of these new prospective entries coming in? Because, of course, it's a lot of money. We shouldn't understate that. And, you know, whilst to the existing teams, it's only $20 million each, which obviously isn't a massive amount. We're talking about, what, one-fifth, well, not even that much, actually, one-seventh of the current cost cap. It does feel to me that it, well, let's just say feel to me, how much of this do you think it will be a deterrent for any new teams coming in, if at all? Yeah, I think it's a pretty strong deterrent. And I think if we're thinking, is it a deterrent for the opposing teams, of the new teams, sorry, or is it a benefit for the current teams? I think it's much more a deterrent than it is a benefit. Like you mentioned, it's $20 million, which I think is about half of Lewis Hamilton's contract. So it's not a huge amount of money in, in the world of F1, especially for the teams at the top. So I think it was necessary to have some kind of financial gatekeeping, really, because otherwise you're going to get everyone... You needed some like barriers to make sure that teams won teams who weren't serious about the sport weren't joining. And I think 200 million is probably a good price. I mean, it doesn't F1 is a ridiculously expensive sport. So if you if you can only just afford the 200 million, I don't think F1's for you, really. I think it takes I think Total Wolf sometimes once mentioned that it takes about a billion to make a, a successful team. So I think 200 million is a good price to make sure that new teams are serious. And I think Speaking to the Pantera, and they they seem fairly confident they've got they can get that financial backing. I think you'd you'd uh, you'd guess that Andretti and GM together can pile that kind of money, especially the sponsors they'll get. So yeah, I think that's a good price. And like I said, I think it's more used as a deterrent for new teams to join rather than as a sweetening of the deal really for the current teams. Because like I said, they're not going to get a huge amount out of it. I think it's just a little tap on the back, really saying, "Here you go, here's your money. Don't moan as much as you want to, really." absolutely um i think we should move on to the more fun things to talk about i think we've kind of outlined all of that pretty well let's talk about andretti and cadillac with of course general motors being at the helm of it now we've obviously followed the andretti story for t some time mario and michael andretti together have been very vocal on their interest in having f1 team obviously they have expertise in managing the franchise uh, as part of andretti global for indycar racing and other series in america they've now want to move into formula one and they have been trying that for some time obviously we've had the uh, resistance from fom f1 and the fia to the point where 
it ticked all of the boxes in the past of what would meet the criteria for an F1 team, minus the fact that it didn't really have a proper manufacturer backing it. Um, Andretti Global were claiming that they had everything tied up with, you know, the, the facilities, the infrastructure, the resources, even claimed at one point to have an F1 engine deal in place of an existing manufacturer, which at the time we believed it was Renault. Um, now that seems to have changed. They seem to have found that missing ingredient with General Motors and Cadillac by extension. So we know about Andretti's interest, Sam, but how long have General Motors been a part of this? Oh, it's interesting you mentioned that because during the press conference, the president, he spoke about this, of uh, GM spoke about this. They said that it's something they've always wanted to be involved in, but they've just never really seen it as either financially viable or the right time to do it. And I think... The two parties have been speaking for the last four or five months, Michael Andretti said, and he said that GM were convinced because of Andretti. Like it's something they've wanted to get in because obviously they've got massive involvements in other series. They're not they're not a total newcomer to racing by any means, but they've never been in F1. And I think the fact that Michael Andretti was basically presenting this ready-made plan just needed the backing, saying like, look, we can get your name and your brand on the grid. We can... I think I mentioned it earlier, Mercedes had that massive image shift. I mean, there'd be a massive shift with Cadillac if like if they get on the grid and they prove to be a successful car. Because I think I think the standard view of Cadillac now is probably not the most favorable one. So if they can get a, a change of image, really, like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I think, like you said, and this is something that Michael Andretti spoke about in the in the press conference as well, that it was the last box they needed to tick. Like this has been a massive project for them. I think. October 2021 was the first time we sort of heard of their deal to try and buy Sauber. And then obviously that didn't work out. I think it got very close, but I think they just disagreed on who would have ultimate control of the team, really. And then it was February. It's almost a year ago now that Marianne Jesse announced that his son, Michael, who's the CEO of the operation, very much leading it, had officially submitted a bid to the FIA. And even now, we're not entirely sure what that process was. I mean, you just write a letter saying, I'd like to join, but... Um, yeah, so it's been almost a year since then. I think if we had even half the persistence of Michael Andretti, we'd all be doing well in life because he's received, to be fair to me, he's received setback after setback. I mean, he's had pretty much everyone, bar maybe McLaren via Zach Brown, saying they're not that interested in seeing Andretti on the grid. So, But he's persisted with it. And I think it's quite a smart and shrewd move to get that manufacturer behind them. Like, I think there's hard, there's not much you can say about the Andretti bid now that's not... They deserve to be on the grid, really. They've they've sort of ticked every box. If we think back to the three parts I mentioned, they've got they've proved they have the technical knowledge because they've competed well in other series. And um, they've definitely got the finances with the sixth. I think GM the sixth biggest com- the car company in the world. So that's obviously a fair amount of backing behind you. And yeah, I think they've proved they've they've got value. I think they're really selling themselves as America's team, and they they want to say that look, we can make this American audience even more interesting. Like, yeah. So I think. And then go back to the power unit. I think they also said they had a sign agreement with a current supplier. So a, a current supplier, in my mind, would mean either one of the four, so Renault, Ferrari, Mercedes, and then Red Bull slash Honda. I know that Honda's a bit of a weird case, but if they're aiming for 2026, there may be even more opportunities. I think, obviously, GM and Cadillac have got that massive link with Honda through other series. So whether they extend that link, I mean, that would make, that would make the most sense. But it's from certainly from their, their soundings, they've got, I think they've got everything in place other than the official approval. Like they've got the factory being built. They've got some kind of signed agreement with a power unit. And we never know, really. Like with the size of the company that big, like there could be a come a time where they think, okay, we can make everything ourselves. Really, we could become our own supplier. Like 
we've got Audi coming into the sport as their own supply in 2026. And I think those engine regs that we talked about briefly, they are a massive game changer because they make it much more cheaper and it's made a lot more teams think, okay, now's the time to get in it. So yeah, I think everything, I, I mean, if FIA and F1 are going to struggle to find a reason not to approve it, I think. I think you can't really ask more of Andretti. Like he's done pretty much everything they've asked for. And like, I think this this General Motors announcement really came as a shock really because I remember I got an email randomly on a Thursday saying there was a press conference announced for about two hours time with Andretti. And you're thinking, oh, this must be related to F1. But then you see the name General Motors attached to it and you're thinking, oh, wow, like this is a really serious kind of thing. So yeah, I think, it's a smart move by him. I think it's a smart move by General Motors as well to get their brand associated with F1. And yeah, I think it's going to be hard to find a legitimate reason not to approve them now. Well, this is it. And I think with Andretti in the past, you know, with, with a name like Andretti, it's legendary. You know, you have Mario Andretti, uh, arguably one of the greatest Formula One drivers of all time, a Formula F1 world champion in America, just an absolute legend. His son, Mario, as you mentioned, you know, involved very much with the company, the CEO, obviously had a very good racing career himself. And, you know, there's a lot that comes with that. And I think up until now, everything they had to say, which was very positive and upbeat about their F1 entry, they really wanted to be involved without the obvious backing of a manufacturer like General Motors and Cadillac behind them, they were taken relatively seriously, but it was always with a pinch of salt or some resistance, with the exception, of course, of McLaren and probably more Zach Brown. We know they have existing synergies between the two of them, Zach Brown and Mario slash Michael Andretti. So that wasn't really much of a shock to a lot of us to hear a lot of that support for them, whereas the other teams were very heavily resistant to a potential Andretti entry unless they bought their way in. And... I think because they have that backing now, it's it's pretty much the American dream that F1 was hoping for. I know we have Haas already, but it's more of a Swiss slash European outfit with an American name badged onto the car, very much run and orchestrated by Gunther Steiner with Gene Huss's financial backing that comes with that, and not much of it, to be fair, from what we've heard in the past. This very much feels like the real deal as far as F1's American dream is concerned, or Team America, if you like, and... I can't think of how this could have gone any better for them in terms of how this was all put together. You know, you've got the Andretti name, you've got a huge motor car manufacturer backing them. As you said, the sixth largest in the world, probably one of the largest, if not the largest in America. So with all that being said, Sam, we know why Andretti wants to get in Formula One. Why have General Motors and Cadillac um, entities that haven't often been involved or affiliated with F1, why have they decided, why have Andretti or sorry, why have Andretti decided to partner with them? What is their interest in this? Um, I think they've both got their reasons. So if we take it from the General Motors point of view, I think it's brand recognition, really, like getting your name on an F1 car. And I think I'd imagine the way that Andretti sold them is they want to be one of the teams that does well. They want to be on podiums. So that would look, that would look incredible for their brand. Really. And also, it's the money, to be honest with you. Like the money involved in F1, especially on the American expansion with the free races that we're having this year, like it's definitely the time to get in really it's time to cash the chips if that's not too on the nose considering the vegas race but yeah from them i can understand why they want to get involved they did mention they they've wanted to do it and just not really had the right opportunity or not really sought that investment and for them it's like the perfect deal like here's a team that's going to do basically deal with the work do all the construction on their site you can help if you want but we're essentially going to run the team but we're offering you the chance to get 50 50 on the the name really so that's that's a dream situation for anyone really you'd be you'd be daft to pass it up and then from andretti obviously they they were looking for that final missing piece of being like 
yeah, fair enough. We don't have a manufacturer behind us. We do have a racing pedigree, but we need this big name behind us and someone that sells it to the likes of Turtle Wolf and other people who sort of have their doubts. So I think it's the perfect partnership, really. Like they both got racing pedigree in other series. They're both very determined. I think even on that American point that you brought up, like this is very much America's team. I think there's been a few pointed comments over the last year, especially from Michael Andretti saying that F1 is a European club. And like that does make a lot of sense. I think pretty much all the teams, even if Haas do have their headquarters in in um, in America, that they've got a base in the UK and there's a base in the Italy, obviously, as well. So I think Andretti are sort of selling themselves as the American team. They're saying, OK, we're going to have the American factory. The cars can be produced there. We're going to be based there. And then also their big selling point is we're going to have an American driver. And I think Colton Hurt is obviously someone who, who, who came so close last year to getting involved. I think if Red Bull had managed to twist the FIA's arm a bit more he'd be racing this season but this season coming up but obviously that didn't happen but a lot can happen that between now and 2026 which you sort of anticipate will be their realistic arrival I think they'd like to be on the grid for 25 but we mentioned it earlier that it's probably best to aim for 26 so yeah I think the fact they've got all of these things in place and like it's come at a perfect time for because I'm under no impression that this Andretti bid wouldn't have come if F1 itself hadn't decided to target America I think I was interesting. I spoke to um, the, she's now the chief uh, marketing officer, the Las Vegas Grand Prix, but she's worked for F1 for a long time. And they were saying that when Liberty Media came in, it was a choice between two markets. So it was either, so they wanted to target the US and they wanted to chart, target Asia slash China, really. And like the pandemic obviously put the latter completely out of question because it's pretty much shut them down. So the focus did entirely go on the US. And I think this is, this is the result of it. Now we're sort of seeing the fruits of their labor that we're seeing more races and now this american team and like it makes sense for a team to want to be america's team because like there's a massive interest i think a huge part of american culture is the idea that you have someone to root for and someone like a home team and i think if you can capitalize on that i think there's been obviously there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of fans in america when they support pretty much every team on the grid but if you can say look we're america's team we're going to have America driver. I think that would be a massive influence on current F1 fans and also fans who want to get into the sport. They think, okay, I need a team. Here's one I'll go for. So yeah, it seems like the perfect deal for both parties. And it, I think, yeah, it just makes sense really. So I'm not surprised they've come together at all, really. I mean, do you think that is the catalyst for this change in starts with the FA and this, um, how can I put it, this ambition to bring in an American team that's gone in Andretti slash uh, GM's favour? Because, and, and I agree with this as well, like, They've tried to expand into the American market. Drive to Survive was obviously a huge catalyst for that growth, particularly in the States. Um, we have a lot of followers on this podcast from the States as well, which proves how powerful this um, impact has, this change has become. And now that we've got three races on the calendar for this season, obviously we've got the race in Austin that we've had, that, which has been very successful year after year and seems to grow all the time. And then you've got different flavors of America. You've got the Miami race, which obviously was a different vibe there, but it was ultimately a good success there we're going to have the Vegas race which we don't have to say how that's going to be different it's Vegas that's all you really need to say to sell it um it, it's a perfect marriage between Vegas and F1 considering what they represent and with all of that it does feel like this is the catalyst for this change in stance and to bring in a team like Andretti do you feel like that has been the number one potentially the number one cause for this um Andretti Cadillac deal to sort of push through for F1 oh yeah 100% yeah, like this could be a whole podcast in itself really but like the, i'm really fascinated by the way the f1's the target to the american audience like 
it's been a thing I've looked into a lot, really, like how they've how they've done it, really, like what the process has been. And it's without going off on too much tangent, it's clearly like they've massively increased the access to drivers, which I think has become so much more interesting to an American audience and a European as well, one as well. I'm not going to say that fans in Europe don't enjoy knowing more about the drivers, but I think aspects like Drive to Survive just sort of made it so they weren't just 20 races going around a track. You sort of knew the stories. And that's something that I think is the big difference between American sporting culture and European sporting culture is the American culture sort of likes to focus on the individual. So if you think it's not the New England Patriots who win the Super Bowl, it's Tom Brady. So like, I think the fact that F1 was smart and they thought, okay, let's get these drivers' names out there. Let's make Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo. Let's make it so they can appear on late night talk shows and fans aren't going, who on earth are they? Like, it's been really smart the way they've targeted this American audience. And I think, I think the hard work was put in during the 2017, the 2018 seasons, like when Liberty Media first came in, I think the fact that Drive to Five came out soon after. And also the fact that, I mean, Bernie Exton, a lot of people have got his critics. And I think one of his biggest faults was not embracing social media. Like it just wasn't for him, obviously, because he was, he was from a different era. And like they used to have like a flat ban on, copyright so anything any kind of clips were like immediately taken off but liberty media has really embraced having short clips so teams now can post clips of their drivers from the track and they're not going to be struck down immediately by copyright so i think that was really smart like they've made a lot of smart moves early on in their their ownership of the sport really and like i think these last few years are sort of just like it coming home to roost really like when i spoke to the person involved in the las vegas grand prix they were saying their goal was always to get a race in the eastern part of America and then like the central slash southern America and then as well western, which is why the Vegas Grand Prix come in. So, yeah, I think, like I briefly mentioned, like I think Andretti and probably more so General Motors have seen that interest massively spike and they sort of think, right, now's the time to get involved. Like the interest in sport in general in F1 is in America is huge. Like the viewing figures are going up and up every day of races are sold out, not just the race day. So, like, every practice session is sold out and they're, they're big stands in America. They're not, they're not some of the small ones we've seen in some of the European circuits, but yeah. So I think there's a massive interest and that's just, it's it's just really made F1 sort of uh, like a house. I wouldn't say a household name, but sort of like it's joined the likes of the NBA, NBA and F- NFL. Obviously it's nowhere near that level just yet. Like it's still going to take a few years, but it's become the sport that people recognize and people know faces and they know names and they know who they drive for. They know which teams are drive. They know which teams are good. So they know which one to support yes i think it's all sort of coming together really at the perfect time i think 2023 is is almost like a victory lap really for f1 because they've they've put these hard work in and now they're they're there to enjoy it really like they've they've got free races in a country they targeted and there there hasn't been a massive uproar i mean i know a lot of people aren't happy about it but people can understand why it's happened so like yeah i'm not surprised that andretti and especially gm have come in now when they have done yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, a company like, you know, General Motors, they would not have got on board with this if they weren't serious about this and didn't think it was financially beneficial to them as a brand, but also as a racing company as well via Cadillac. You know, Cadillac, I'll be honest with you, Sam, I if someone said to me, oh, you know, what series Cadillac racing, I wouldn't be able to tell you one, but I know they do have some level of racing heritage and a good one. It's completely a, a contrast from the big beefy cars that we often associate when we think of a Cadillac. It's completely different to what we'd expect and certainly more fitting to what Formula One would be for them. So, you know, we, we've got 
you know, the, the name Andretti, obviously, you know, is going to be leading that and, you know, General Motors and Cadillac going to be financially be backing that and obviously putting their resource in and racing expertise in there as well. That could become a manufacturer team possibly around 2030 if we have another new engine regulation set there rather than 2026, which I think makes sense financially to a lot of other people. And, you know, the, the ambition would be to be the first manufacturer team to be successful since probably Williams all those years ago. I mean, we talk about Mercedes, Red Bull, you know, Audi and Porsche looking to get into F1, but they've all been teams that have bought their way in. They've never started from the ground up. I mean, you could argue Mercedes, it was just a different name and it's still a manufacturer team. But even then it was, you know, brand entity and everything else that comes with that. You've got the American fan base, you've got the American circuits, you've got Liberty Media at the helm with this. You've got potential drivers like Col- Colton Herter, for example, you know, ready, perhaps a little bit raw right now, but with time, to get himself ready for that big challenge in 2026, assuming it does start then. I guess what I'm getting at here, Sam, and this is something we alluded to before we started recording this podcast, is all the ingredients are there right now. In my opinion, all the boxes are ticked, all the criteria is there for a serious competitive F1 American outfit. If this doesn't get approved for an application to be an F1 team in 2026, I can't see what else will. This this is the ultimate application, surely. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think it's it's a big testing point for American interest, really, because I think, well, not um, fan interest, but commercial interest. I think, like I said, this, there's, I mean, it's hard to pick any faults now, this Andre bid. They've got the backing, they've got the name, they've got the racing pedigree. So if they, if all people can't get in, like, why would anyone else even bother to try, like, really? So I think you're right that this is, this is going to be the ultimate test of how much F1 takes. Because I think the more it goes on, I think the more, Americans will start to believe that okay they're interested in our money but they're not interested in us as like a racing team so I think this is a big point for F1 really to prove that it's not just the money they're interested in they are generally interested in having that American competitor I think in the in fairness to them without dissing them too much I think the Haas is sort of like a nice halfway house that they can brand themselves as America's team but I think Americans sort of want a bit more they want an American driver, which obviously they've got this year of Logan Sargent, but they'd love it to be in an American team and an American factory where it's produced. And to have American brands like Andretti and Cadillac would be huge to them. So yeah, I think this is a big, a big, a uh, big point in the history. I think 2023 in, in his in, in total is a massive point for American motorsport. Really, like it's the time to really solidify their place in F1 and show they deserve to be there. And that, and that it's not a European club as um, Michael Andretti once put it. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, look, it's a world championship for a reason. I know, you know, some older F1 fans will obviously feel more uh, uh, associated with the nuances of how it used to be. And it felt perhaps a little bit more pure, but obviously F1 has to expand. And, you know, as a result, that's what we're going to get. Hopefully we'll get that with more teams and drivers rather than just going to different races because, you know, no fan wants to go to race the, all those races and not have equal representation from different parts. So hopefully we will get that in some level of form over the next few years. We talked about drivers for Andretti. Colton Herter is obviously the key facet of this American dream and how it's going to look. Um, how convinced are you by him from what we've heard and seen of him so far that he is ready for a challenge like this? Because he was very close to getting a super license. We know that Red Bull was sort of interested by Alfa Tauri potentially getting him into that seat. He went through different avenues of potentially trying to get the points after he wasn't able to get enough through IndyCar. And there were obviously tests as well, links with McLaren and even Alpine to a certain degree to get him the extra time he needed. How ready do you think Colton Herter will be 
assuming that this bid gets accepted. And with that in mind, he'll be on the grid in 2026 with this team, if not before that, with another team in the in the interim. Yeah, I think the fact that Red Bull sort of went out of their academy, which is not something they've done historically in the past few years, at least, it's always been promoting from within. I think the fact they did that to try and fill Pierre Gasly's seat was a big, big indicator of how much those within the paddock at least race him. Like he's been a driver that a lot of talks about, obviously, McLaren have obviously talked about a lot of that through Zach Brown and Red Bull as well. So I think he will be ready. I think, I mean, I've chatted with Pat Ward about this once and it was the discussion the supercar, super license, sorry, and IndyCar points just don't make sense really. Like there needs to be, that's something that needs to be looked at in terms of they should be valued more. So I think the fact that he didn't have enough points shouldn't be seen as him not being good enough. I think that's more of a fault of the system he's been in. Like obviously... And I think the fact that he's got now three seasons between he's expected to be on the grid, that's that's a lot of time to really hone his craft in IndyCar and make sure he does have the points because that's going to be necessary at the end of the day. I mean, he's, he's going to have to start winning races and potentially championships to try and get on the grid. But also, there's a lot of ta- time for him to test. Really. Like, they seem to have a good, quite quite a good link with McLaren. He's been in that car a few times. Um, whether he follows a similar route to Power Award or like Alex Palo, like, who are doing much more tests, like, if he gets an F1, FP1 session, we'll see. But I think he has got time to really prove himself. Well, not to prove himself, really, because I think he's already done that, but to sort of make him more familiar with an F1 car. Because I think whenever you speak to a, car, a driver from another series, like one thing that's clear is the F1 car is ridiculous. Like there's nothing compares to it. Like even F2 is a mile off. I think Oscar Piastri said as much after his test following the Abu Dhabi run. Um, so, yeah. But I think that Red Bull, that Red Bull interest was very clear. The fact that it wasn't just the fact that they were willing to campaign to the FIA to try and get him in was a big hint of like how much they rate him. And the fact that a team like Andretti, they're not going to just have a driver in there just because he's American. He's not going to be get the seat just because he was born in the states. Like they must rate him. Like obviously they've seen him up close, having been part of the IndyCar team. So yeah, I think he is a massive talent that. Someone is someone is just waiting for him to get the right points so they can get him on the grid in their car. Exactly. And, you know, from a marketability perspective, this guy is mega. He is everything that I think, uh, you know, exemplifies what is great about American racing and something they would want to put into Formula One. And, you know, I, I like Colton from what I've seen of him. I think he's very, very talented. He's still a very young man, I think 23 years of age. So still plenty of time to grow. A little bit inconsistent, I think, for Formula One right now. But I think in fairness to him, he has plenty of time to work on that. And, you know, if he can bag an IndyCar title race with Andretti, then that's fantastic. And that would translate brilliantly into Formula One if he wanted to do that. Or if he wanted to race in another series in the interim to get those extra points he needed. If he's able to iron out those inconsistencies and bring that, he'll be a huge asset in a team that will obviously have high aspirations to be competitive, as we mentioned Williams were, you know, when they came into Formula One. And obviously they did very, very well throughout their history. So, you know, Colton is definitely, this is his big chance and he is the guy right now that Andretti would want in that car. We mentioned other drivers like Pato Ward, Alex Palau, Logan Sargent is obviously going to be on the grid next year. Obviously, they'll be keeping an eye on him. Are there any other drivers perhaps that you might think, Sam, that, that Andretti and Cadillac GM will be looking at um, on the current F1 grid or perhaps outside of that? I mean, I heard one person even mention Roman Grosjean potentially returning with that team. Is that something that may not necessarily be early enough for him? Perhaps might be a few years too late because he'd be quite 
well, not old, but, you know, we get into the Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso realms of age that Grosjean will be by the time 2026 comes around. Yeah, for sure. I think, sadly for him, I think it might be a bit far for him. I think he's enjoying his life. Like, he's doing supercar tour and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think his name's probably not one that's realistically linked. But I think from Andretti, it would be a smart move. If they're planning on getting hurt, so which is obviously a rookie in the sport, or he presumably will be at that point, I think it'd be smart to get an experienced driver in because the the worst thing you can do as a new team is have entirely new drivers. Like it's going to be a nightmare with everyone not really knowing what they do. So I think if you can get someone who's experienced the sport, I'm trying to think of names off my head, top of my head. The one that keeps coming is Valtteri Bottas. Like if, if Audi aren't interested, I mean, again, this is probably the similar kind of story, but if Audi aren't interested, which I think they should be, because obviously he's a very experienced driver. He's going to help them get onto the grid. But if they're not for whatever reason, I think he'd be the perfect person to get in. It's just whether his personality is what they're after, really, because obviously he's more of a, well, I say he's a shy retiring Finn. I mean, he's been, sort of become more and more public facing the last few years. I mean, I can we can all picture that naked bottom f- swimming through that American stream. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Um, I, I would massively think, I mean, hey, what better man to get than Daniel Ricciardo if they can get hit? Like he loves, he's, he's someone who's massively shown his love of American life and American culture. And he's, I think he and Hamilton are possibly, Maybe Verstappen as well, but I think he and Hamilton are possibly the two most famous F1 drivers in America, at least for sure, because he's been on late night chat shows the whole time. So if they can get someone like him in, like that's a massive boost for their team, like both from a driver ability, because obviously he's an eight time race winner. He knows what he's doing, even if these last few years from McLaren haven't proven to be the most successful in his career. But and he's also from a, a marketing point of view, he's the he's one of the most high profile profile drivers. I was going to say on the grid. Obviously, he's not currently on the grid, but aware of f1 in the f1 sphere at least so yeah i think if i was them and i'm going for her so then i definitely want someone who's at least raced in f1 i'd ideally want a race winner and someone who's been at the very top so they can sort of guide and pull the team along because i think speaking of really i think that's sort of why has have gone for nico elkenberg i mean gunter steiner was interested where he said that the reason they they felt like they were pulling mick schumacher along but now they want a driver to pull pull their team along and it does both work both ways that a driver can elevate your team really depending on who it is so, yeah i think i think andretti and Cadillac would be smart to get someone a very experienced pro in and think ricardo if he's not if he's not in the red bull by then then that might be the the best option for him yeah sort of a bit of a whimsical suggestion but a driver that we did mention previously who has the experience is a successful driver race winner world champion has a history in american racing and uh, doesn't seem to decline with age at all fernando alonso and of course he'd be free agent in 2026 wouldn't he with his uh, current aston martin deal probably unlikely but uh, knowing fernando i wouldn't rule him out just for the sake of it's more likely to happen than not yes i think with fernando the wise advice is to never predict anything because i think even he sometimes doesn't know what he's going to do next i think if saying that, if we took everything that he's been talking about of Aston Martin, it does sort of seem like this is his last role. I mean, him and Mike Crack have both mentioned about roles upstairs after his two years with the team are up. But I mean, it's up to Fernando, really. Like he's he's not driving like a forty-one year old. He's driving like someone ten years younger. So I think if he gets to the end of his Aston Martin contract and they're they're not looking to keep him on for whatever reason, maybe they've got someone else lined up. But I mean, they've obviously got Felipe Drogovic in there is their reserve driver now so if he's if they find themselves in an oscar piastri situation where they've got a young rated driver who wants to stay on the grid they probably will move alonso on but yeah i wouldn't rule it out like it'd be mad to say that alonso won't still be on the grid in four or three years time like you'd never 
never rule out Alonso has been my made advice for my life so far. Yeah, you never rule it out. I mean, one thing I could probably almost guarantee at this point is that in 20 years time, when all of the current F1 drivers have moved on to other things, Fernando will still be the only one there in his 60s driving an F1 car. I mean, let's not roll out Mario Andretti as well, who'd be 86 by the time yeah, uh, that, that comes yeah, that around. Run that McLaren, yeah, 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 that run. So he probably ready. still got it. He still got it. And that, that would work. Yeah. That'd be a story. That would, uh, it's literally on the realms of what, Rocky Six or whatever one it was, but even worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, who would I mean, it could be the McLaren? I mean, if Piastri's not doing well, it's like Brown Mike, like, right, I'm That's fulfilling it. a childhood dream. I'm getting married. <laughs> There's hope for all of us. Why not? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, we got to move on to Pantera, of course. Now, this was something that you specialised in this story. You wrote a great article for Planet F1, which obviously I would absolutely implore a lot of people to check out. I'll leave a link in the show notes and description if you haven't read it already. It's very easy for us to draw comparisons now. That Now that we've had Andretti and GM put out their official bid, and as amazing as that sounds, and hopefully for them that works out, obviously we're going to be comparing what Pantera do to that as a baseline if that gets accepted. Where are we on this one, Sam? How far along are Pantera to trying to launch an official application being on, F- on the F1 grid like Andretti? And if we can compare it to Andretti, where do they stack up against them? Um, I think judging, I spoke to Benjamin Duran, who's the co-founder, but also he's going to be the team principal, I believe when, if, and when they get on the grid, but speaking to him, I think they're in a very similar place to Andretti. I think they are now preparing for that expressive interest process. And I think by the sounds of it, they've got everything. They believe they've got everything they need to pass. I think the main difference between the Andretti and the Pantera bid is Andretti has been a lot more vocal and they've been a lot more public facing about, their bid entirely really like i think pantera saw a sort of a name that creeps creeps up i mean we heard briefly from them last year their goal was to get on the 22 grid with all the regulation changes but that didn't work out largely due to the pandemic but speaking to them, it sounds like they've got the financial back and they need they've got they had because they're aiming for that grid they sort of already set up an aero department i mean they were saying it's not running now but they said it would take a few weeks to get get involved and I, they mentioned that a lot of their staff aren't already in f1 so there's no there's no need really to mess around with gardening leave like if they want to be employed they can start tomorrow in theory so i think it is closer like in terms of the bid process i think they are sort of level footing with andretti like they're both getting ready for that official process i mean it's hard to know which one the fia will look favorably on but judging by my chat with uh benjamin that they haven't worked on the FIA ever since they started, really. Like, so they they feel encouraged by the feedback they're receiving from, especially Matt, um, the president of 
the FIA, they feel really encouraged by what they're hearing. Like, and again, it's going to be that process that I think they've had. They haven't had much talk with the F- F1 side of things in a while. Like, that's another party they need to um, they need to persuade really. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if we. I don't mean I don't know if the FIA are likely to announce when they've had these applications fully submitted. I, I'd imagine there's some legal reasons why they couldn't do that. But yeah, I think by the sounds of it from his from speaking with Benjamin the the process is going to be solidified exactly what it needs for requirements by the end of January so that's fairly soon that's a couple weeks away three weeks away and then I think he was sort of anticipating a May announcement as to whether they've been approved or declined so I think yeah I think Andretti I think they're both sort of waiting on that start line ready to go really like and speaking to him I think there's often this misconception that it's the battle for the 11th spot in the grid and there's just one spot. But in theory, we could have up to 13 teams on the grid. So I think from his mind, he's not in competition with Andretti. I mean, he he couldn't really speak about the merits of their bid, obviously, because he doesn't know the fully ins and out. But he was under the impression that they're not fighting for him, especially if I think his main point was they're not going after the same market. They're going after the Asian market, which they believe is another one that's not tapped. I mean, he had a good, he had a good line to me. He said, he believes that everyone's looking West and we're looking East. So like they're going to target that market. So yeah, I think their bids should be taken seriously, especially in terms of them submitting it. Like, I mean, it's hard to know really what chance they have of getting, um, getting on the grid because that's up to F F1, FOM and FIA really. So yeah, like, they're definitely ready for it. I mean, just whether it comes off or not, we'll see. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of similar hallmarks to draw between these two uh, outfits. And as I said, there's a reason why I want to compare the two because obviously on the one hand, we've got Andretti's GM slash Cadillac, the American F1 project. Pantera is very much the Asian F1 product project. And I think what you said there, Sam, that is quite important to remember in this is that at no point have F1 or the FIA stated that this is a battle for an 11th team. Uh, like it was with Haas back in 2015-16, if you like. Um, this is very much, you know, if if we only get one team that is on the grid in 2026, in addition to the 10 we currently have, it's because only one team met the criteria. It's not a case of only one can, it's a case of only one did. So there are options available for any prospective teams coming in. And as I said already, we, we want to draw these comparisons to Andretti because obviously they want to set the benchmark, but obviously that is not where the bar is at the moment. They just may jump massively over that in terms of what we need for a new F1 team. With Pantera being the Asian F1 outfit compared to Andretti being the American one, it's quite easy to draw comparisons, you know, with, and, and this is to quote from your article, if you don't mind me doing this, um, it's the fact that, you know, Benjamin Durand has been very vocal about the intentions. They do seem quite serious. They claim that they have an agreement with an existing N1 engine manufacturer lined up for them for 2026. Um, they want to expand into the Asian market, which F1 has obviously tried to do with Zhou Guan Yu and the Chinese Grand Prix and obviously expand there, which obviously hasn't happened so far, but they are looking into that. They did look at other venues in the past, like in Hanoi, that race that never really got going in Vietnam, other races like Korea and India when they went there before, before they fell through. So like America and like Andretti, there is a serious interest to exploit that American F1 market, benefit from that, which they haven't really done so already to a degree. But it's got all the ingredients there already. You've even got a driver on the grid now in Zhou Guan Yu, which I imagine, Sam, will probably be the number one candidate that Benjamin Duran might have in mind to drive that Pantera F1 car if it does make the grid in 2026. Yeah, for sure. He was definitely a name that was brought up. I think 
obviously Yushi Tsunoda is another Asian driver, but I think he's very much locked into the Red Bull system. Um, but yeah, Zhou Guanyu was someone he brought up. Obviously, there's a bit of confusion about his future because he's got this one-year deal with um, Sauber slash Alfa Romeo and Sauber's future is obviously in the air a bit the next few years with Audi coming in. So whether they, they're interested in him or whether they want to get a German driver in, for example, um, remains to be seen. So yeah, it could be well be that um, he is a name they want to get in their car. But like you said, like, I think... So in terms of the power unit, I'll just like clarify that a bit because I think they said he had the pre-agreement. So he was very much in the impression that it was still quite fluid. So like I don't think I think when Andretti said they've got a signed agreement, that very much sounds like right, they've confirmed. But he sort of said they had like a deal in place, but it hasn't been anything signed yet. So I think there was still room for movement on that on that side. But another thing that sort of became clear when speaking to him was they've really got this desire to make uh, Asia sort of like a big player in the F1 world. I think the fact they want to make this Asian academy basically and sort of foster the next generation. Because if you think, if you think in the history of F1 and the size of Asia, the number of people who live there, like it's been such a few small amount of drivers to actually make it on the grid. I mean, the fact that we've got two this year, I'm trying to think of a missing one. I think it's just currently two out of twenty is quite a low number compared to the size of. Um, size of the country itself really and obviously we've got three british drivers and that's a much smaller population than in asia but yeah i think the fact they want to start this asian academy and sort of foster the next generation and also the way he was speaking it was like he was fully accepting that that is going to have a sporting effect that they're not going to be competing as high up because it's not just the drivers they want to get through this academy it's also like the technical staff and the people in the pit wall and the people in the pit lane and the mechanics and things like that they they really want to make sure everything sort of homegrown like i think mentioned it of andretti really that they plan to build all their car in america and stuff like that and there's definitely the same ideal same goal for panfera like they want to have an asian base they haven't really decided where it is i think it's largely due to who which manufacturer they partner with or whatever like whichever sponsor will dictate that but they do want to make sure the car's fully built in asia and they'll probably have a uk base like Andretti have said as well, just for a logistical point of view. But I think in 2023, there's there's not the need to base yourself in Europe anymore. So I think they've sort of trying to sell that part of it as well, that we can get this whole other market involved. And there's definitely, there's a real focus on making it Asia's team, really. I think it's even in their their, their name, really. Like, obviously, their name's still subject to change. But yeah, they've definitely made a clear point that we're going to target this market. We're not just going to be a European team and slap a Asian company's badge on it. There's definitely a real it seems like a good intention to be a team that not only has an Asian driver, one that sort of fosters the next generation and gets these young drivers with time on the grid, really. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really exciting. And, you know, obviously there's been a lot of coverage on the Andretti story. So it's quite easy to not follow the the Panfera story that often. I mean, it's a name that I've heard crop up quite a lot in recent years. Not sure if it was ever going to develop into a proper F1 bid, but now this is the opportunity. It is a case of put up or shut up, quite frankly. And I think they did that with Andretti. Andretti basically just said, okay, here we go. Watch us. We'll do this. Brought in GM and Cadillac. And now that looks really serious. If I was to put you on the spot, Sam, if I may, um, and for a bit of fun, we'll do a bit of a scoring system in terms of the application from a fan perspective, if you like. Based on what we've heard from Andretti, Jim and Cadillac, um, I don't think I'd be unreasonable in suggesting this is potentially a 9 out of 10 application if we're to score it out of 10. I think the only thing missing is a serious, popular F1 American driver that is already there. I mean... Logically, the best one we have right now is Logan Sargent, and he's a rookie. So that's probably the only thing missing right now. But with Panfera, if we can compare that 
to what we've got with Andretti. How would you score that out of 10? Um, that's difficult. Uh, I think public facing, you'd have to go about a six out of 10 because there's not a lot we know, but I imagine there's more behind the scenes to maybe push up to like an eight out of 10. I think speaking to him, he was, I was under the impression they've got the financial backing, but, um, that's not something that's been confirmed yet. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, like the Andretti one's just much more public. We seem to know a lot more about their bid. And like, like you said, the Pantera name sort of came out. I mean, it was all, I'm going to, I don't want to try and claim that it was like amazing foresight by myself, but it was a complete fluke that in the same week I was planning on speaking with um, Benjamin Durand, that Andretti made this announcement. It's sort of perfect timing really. But yeah, I think, I think public facing, it still seems quite unlikely. I think I'd have to give it a six out of 10. I think they've got good ambitions and they've got good intentions, but I think it's still quite a lot of the unknowns that Andretti have sort of been ironing out over the last few years. Like, like, like you said, I think that that manufacturer is just a big selling point, really, and a big convincing point if anyone needs convincing that they're serious. So, yeah, I'd agree with your nine out of 10 rating. I think that that does seem fair. I think they've done everything they can now, really. Like, it's not their fault there's not an American driver who's not even race to race yet like yeah so i think if i'm being fair i think six out of ten but i think behind the t- scenes there's probably a lot more going on to make it more of a, a, a like a serious and credible bid really yeah I, I think the lack of public information that we've had other than what you know journalists like yourself have been able to inform us of probably goes against it a little bit but of course there is still plenty of time for them to turn that around and perhaps this is a catalyst to get the ball rolling you know rather than will we won't we it's a case of we must do this now or it's not going to happen you know the FAL literally calling us out we have to answer that um, in the same way that Andretti have quite emphatically um, I mean that's great and I really look forward to hearing a lot of uh, our followers opinions on your article it's a really great article I definitely recommend people check that out there's a lot of great information in there certainly a lot more about Pantera than I originally knew about them which is obviously the point of these uh pieces by great journalists like yourself one final thing i did want to ask you sam if i may before we sign off um we've obviously heard a lot about andretti we were expecting them to voice their um application if you like or informally before they put something forward pantera was something that we weren't sure was going to happen or wasn't going to happen i suppose we'll wait and see but it does look more likely that it will are there any other teams out there? I know we've heard Porsche were looking to buy into an existing team. As I said, I'm expecting that to be what they will do. Which team will be, I'm not sure. I'd probably say Williams if I was going to pick one, just because of their situation right now. Um, and it would make no sense for the Volkswagen Group for them to go against Audi as a manufacturer when Audi are trying to do the same thing. But there are other teams that have been mentioned. I know they were looking at potentially Honda trying to come back in as a team, albeit unlikely. Uh, Hyundai as well, another team that may look into it um high tech 26 that was something that was mentioned i know um the, if people weren't following this there was a story about high tech changing its branding or a new branding under it to high tech 26 which was um funded in part by uh dimitri mazepin uh who people will remember him his son nikita mazepin driving in formula one obviously the connections the geopolitical issues with uh the russian war in ukraine obviously co- kind of caused a bit of controversy with that one are there any other outfits that are looking to try and get into Formula One right now? And of them, are there any serious bids potentially? Um, I think you can sort of separate them into two groups. Really. So you've got maybe even three groups. So you've got Audi and Porsche. So obviously Audi are already in. They've made that deal with Sauber. And they're also going to be an engine supplier. You've got Porsche, who are very close to coming in with the Red Bull deal <clears throat> that collapsed late on due to well, basically a controller team. So obviously, like you mentioned, they're trying to find another team now to partner with. 
And then you've sort of got this next wave. So maybe like Andretti and Pantera and that, who sort of, they seem, I think obviously Audi and Porsche have probably got the best bet. Audi are already in, so that doesn't really count, but Porsche have sort of got the next best bet to get in. And then it's probably Andretti and then Pantera. And then you've got basically like a never ending list of teams just sort of flirted with the idea, sort of like you said, pop up for like five minutes and disappear again. So I think you've got the ones you mentioned as well. And obviously I think Dimitri Mazepin's bid is going to be one of the, probably the hardest to convince because obviously you've got the Russian invasion still going on and the reasons he was kicked out of Haas and his son was kicked out of Haas, they still exist, like they haven't gone away. Um, you had this Monaco-based team that sort of appeared and they've gone very quiet recently. So, yeah, there's a whole host of teams. And then also I spoke to um, Calvin Lowe a few months ago now, probably last month, that um, he's a Hong Kong billionaire who's worth, I think it was $1.7 Like He's got a lot of money. He's got this massive interest to get into F1. And his was different than his was full and fun of financial side he's also got he's currently got a bit of involvement with williams he sort of does a sponsorship with them but he was making it clear that he wants to even like increase that involvement and get more of a control so whether he teams up with someone like pantera and like they make a joint bid that sort of seems to make sense considering they're both based in asia but yeah i think there are like this massive list of teams that are sort of in the background working on a bit because there's no better time it's sort of like the gold rush really like everyone wants to get into f1 now while the times are good because it's not going to last forever. Obviously, it's going to last a long, long time yet, but you want to get in now, make yourself like someone who's solidified in the sport. So I think there are probably a lot of teams that we just don't know about. Like They're under no obligation to make their name public because obviously I think Andretti did it because they believed that they had the public support behind them and it sort of would put pressure on the FIA and F1. But for a team that's not got a recognised name, that's not probably the best, smartest route to go in, go down. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's loads of teams we haven't heard about that will submit a bid maybe not this year maybe not next year but sometime in the future if as long as the spots aren't filled by then like yeah i think there are a lot of teams in the background that are secretly working on trying to get their name on the grid and was you sort of have to take them as they come really like, i imagine they'll just be announced one day and they'll suddenly be like oh here we are we're trying to make a team but yeah i think we spoke about earlier you have to be quite serious with the money involved and like it's not someone who can just apply and willy-nilly like these teams will have a massive backing behind them. They'll have thought put into them. So yeah, we'll see any more proper up in the next year or so as F1 becomes more and more popular. Well, this is it. And as you mentioned, Calvin Lowe is the sort of person that the FIA would want to encourage to invest in Formula One, having that financial backing, something that they will hope someone commits for not just a short time, but for at least five seasons to try and put a footprint on the F1 grid and be a, you know, a stable for a long time. We, we kind of expect Andretti and Cadillac GM to be able to do that. You know, they wouldn't get involved if they weren't serious about doing that for the long haul. So I think that is certainly going to be a barometer that a lot of people will look to, to see any prospective teams, how serious they are about coming on the grid. What can they offer to F1? And, you know, will they be sticking around rather than what we saw the last time we had this uh, expression of interest, if you like, or the application where we saw, I think it was 2014, where we saw teams like Caterham and HRT, they just disappeared off the face of the grid before this evening even finished. And to be fair, I didn't even notice it at the time that because they were so far off the pace anyway, so kind of really didn't matter. But um, I mean, that, that's fantastic. I think that's all we got time for on this one, Sam. Obviously, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, before we do sign off for this one. Where can our followers find you on social media to read more of your great work with Planet F1 and uh, just to get insight on your tweets and posts on social media? Yeah, so my Twitter is Sam Cooper uh, of an underscore. And I've also got Instagram, which I really must post more on, which is um, Sam Cooper F1. So yeah, and on there, and obviously on Planet F1, I'll be on there 
most days. Yeah. So yeah, those are the, those are the three. If if you're inclined to follow some F1 chat, that's probably the place to go. <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend it. You've seen great content on Planet F1 and great work there. But guys, that's all we've got time for on this episode. I hope that we've kind of made, uh, added a bit more clarity to this current picture. I know Sam's done a lot of great work on that and we've been really grateful for him sharing his expert insight on this topic. But it's really, really exciting stuff. I'm mega excited. I don't know if you can tell already by this Andretti GM bid. I'm sure Pantera F1 is going to provide something very similar, whether that will be public or we'll have to wait for that to all sort of unravel behind the scenes into something more uh, clear. We'll have to wait and see. And obviously other prospective teams coming on the grid. It's certainly ramping up just in time, of course, for the new F1 teams to unveil their new cars. And then before you know it, we'll have pre-season testing and the season will get underway. So really exciting stuff. But as always, remember to subscribe to the channel if you like what we do. And also give us a five-star review if you follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Really helps us out a lot. But until next time, guys, we will be back next week for uh, some of the other big stories in 2023. Well, our regular panel will be back for that one. Unless, of course, we have any more breaking news, which we'll have to sort of segue way in before that but until next time guys thanks for tuning in please stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast but remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care Podcast Network.